We are hearing these Sundays in a section of the Gospel of Mark in which the power that Jesus has over death, over everything that can threaten human life with deep suffering and death, where that power is more and more revealed to the world. Hopefully you remember last summer, last summer, last Sunday, we heard the final part of the fourth chapter of Mark in which Jesus' disciples are threatened with imminent death from a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus miraculously stops the wind and the sea. He saves them from this impending death. At the beginning of the fifth chapter of Mark, Jesus encounters a man who is occupied by an unclean spirit, so much so that he lives out on the hillsides and among tombs because he can't be restrained. It's like a living death. Jesus miraculously, spiritually heals this man. Then we pick up where we just heard today, which is the rest of the whole chapter, fifth chapter of Mark. Starts with verse 21. You have the citation in the bulletin you can pick up on the way home, or you can click on the link on our social media. Please, this week, open up this fifth chapter of Mark, just read it and reread it, and pay attention to the details. This is called, the way this story is written, and you may not care one little bit about it, it's called a literary sandwich, that a story starts, and then it's interrupted by a second story, and then the first story is completed. So two stories about miraculous healings. When you actually read this, there are so many details that are parallel, small details. I count 20, 21, sometimes I count 23. You can see how many you count. The details are not important, but the fact that the gospel writer has all these details that are parallel in the two stories, I believe, is to push us to say, well, what is important that is the same in both of these stories about who Jesus is, about how he interacts with people, and about how people respond to him. The goal here is, if we can see in these two stories the really important revelations and the important dynamics, we can enter into those in our lives if we're trying to grow as disciples of Jesus. So story number one, it's about a woman. In Jesus' time and place, women are unjustly considered very secondary. They do not have from society an affirmation of their equality and their importance. This woman, as a woman, bears that tr- uh, absolutely unjust trouble. The woman has a gynecological hemorrhage, which is a real physical suffering, and she, it brings with it weakness and fatigue. This is not just an annoyance, it's a really serious illness. She has had this illness for 12 years. That is a long time to be suffering with that kind of physical condition. She has gone to many doctors, but they haven't helped her at all. Some of us have this experience. You're just looking for help when you go to the doctor. You don't get the help. That's a real psychological, spiritual burden. In Jesus' time and place, the only people who go to doctors are people of financial means. And the gospel writer says she has spent everything she has. She's broke going to doctors, and it's only getting worse. With her physical condition, according to the Jewish law, she is ritually impure. So anyone or anything that she touches or that touches her becomes impure. As a result of this, the woman cannot go into the synagogue. She can't, when she so needs God and needs fellowship, 
she can't enter into the synagogue to worship. If she has a husband, he can't have sexual relations with her because of this state of impurity. She is meant to be able to bring children into this world. She cannot bring children into the world. And it's quite possible, because she's alone in that story, which a woman typically wouldn't be, that the husband has dismissed her. So really do pay attention to that. It's a whole lot of trouble, serious trouble. Imagine yourself in this woman's position. Death is approaching. In the Jewish understanding, life is held in our blood. She's experiencing that her life is leaving her. Death is impending. If you take that seriously and you imagine yourself in that woman's position, it is absolutely easy to imagine the bad ways, the negative ways in which she could choose to live. She could give in to depression. She could give in to anger. She could become someone who lashes out at other people. She could be someone who turns away from God. She could be someone who would do harm to herself because of all of this suffering. So it's really big what she chooses to do. What she chooses to do is to live courage. Think about last week's passage, if you remember it. She makes the choice to be courageous with all of this trouble. And she makes the choice to take bold action. She's heard about Jesus and his healing powers. Clearly, she doesn't just hear, she reflects on it. She thinks it through and she makes a plan. She doesn't just make a plan, but she puts the plan into action. She says to herself, the scripture writer tells us what's going on in her head. She says, if I just touch his clothing, I may be healed. So she goes off in this big crowd that's pressing on Jesus. She touches his clothing and immediately she feels the flow of blood dry up. After 12 years, she feels in her body that she's been healed. Jesus wants much more for this woman than that miraculous healing. Jesus feels power flow out of him. So he looks around in the crowd, who touched my clothing? Jesus' disciples say, I'm paraphrasing, we've got this huge crowd here pressing on you and you're asking who touched me? It's almost like they're benignly ridiculing him for that question. Jesus disregards the ridicule and he continues to look for the woman. The woman realizes what has happened to her in terms of the healing, I believe. She goes to Jesus with fear and trembling. She could theoretically fear and trembling because she has touched his clothing without asking. I don't think that's it. Could be fear and trembling because she, according to standards, has made him impure by touching him. I don't think that's it at all. I think it's the fear and trembling of someone who has just experienced the power of God. She goes to Jesus and she falls at his feet. It's a humble, loving expression. And she tells him the whole truth of what's happened. Now you know what's going on inside of Jesus. He says to her, daughter, which is a term of complete affection and love, your faith has saved you. Not you learned a trick to touch me and get healed. Your faith, your courage, and your bold action is what has gotten you to me to receive this healing. Go in peace. Peace is the deepest kind of well-being, complete well-being that a Jewish person wishes another. 
and experience this healing. Jesus doesn't want to just give a miraculous physical healing. He wants to give her salvation. He wants her to actually encounter him and have the opportunity to know you're pursuing me, you're taking action to get to me, has saved you, not just healed you, saved you. She now has a direct invitation to salvation through Jesus. You with me, you with me? Nod your head or I'll start again. Okay, so story number two, and I'm not gonna pound on these parallels, but just really pay attention to the parallels. Story number two is about a young woman. How old is she? 12, 12 years, 12 years. This girl is facing death, whatever her illness is. 12 is the age in Roman and Jewish society in which women can begin to bring life into the world. Hemorrhage woman cannot bring life into the world. The young girl now cannot bring life into the world because death threatens her. Her father is in a desperate situation. Her father could lash out, get depressed, become angry, turn on God, do all the bad things, all the negative things, totally understandably. The father is a, an official where? The synagogue. Jesus previously in the Gospel of Mark, after he has an interaction in the synagogue, synagogue officials have started to plot how to kill Jesus. This synagogue official, with all of that, makes a choice to be courageous and to take bold action. He goes to Jesus and he falls at his feet. He says to Jesus, my daughter is at the point of death. Come to my house and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and live. Jesus goes with him to his house and he takes along three of his close disciples. The experience is interrupted by story number one. People come from the synagogue official's home and they say, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Jesus says to him, do not be afraid, just have faith. They go, they get to the house, there is a commotion, weeping and wailing, which is traditional in Jesus' time and place. And Jesus says, why all this commotion and weeping? The girl is not dead, she's asleep. And they respond by ridiculing Jesus. When Jesus uses the word asleep, very often, he's referring to earthly death. Jesus is about to reveal, these people presume earthly death is the absolute end. Jesus is about to reveal it's actually a sleep that leads to a greater awakening. So once again, Jesus disregards the opinion of the crowd. He dismisses them. He goes into the house. He takes the hand of the little girl and he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. The very same word in Greek in Mark 16, when Jesus rises from the dead. She immediately, 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 immediately rises and begins to walk around. The people are absolutely astonished. And then there's this funky detail. Jesus says, give her something to eat. He cares not just about the physical healing, but her entire well-being, just like the other woman. So to get you going for this week, look at this 
What are some really basic revelations in there? Life can be a wonderful experience, and when it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Life also inevitably includes serious trouble for everyone. Sometimes when you're 12 years old, sometimes for 12 years at a time. Death threatens all of us in so many different ways, physically, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, in a society. We're threatened with death in many, many ways. We can absolutely understandably choose to go in dark directions in the troubles of this world, and particularly when death threatens. We can go for negativity, we can go for anger, we can go for violence. A lot of people in this community unfortunately do. We can go in all different bad directions. Or we can be like that woman and Jairus, and we can muster courage and take bold action. You and I have been blessed to have some recognition that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. If I make the choice to go to Him in my trouble, to listen to Him, to plan how I'm going to live just today following His love, and if I actually do it, I am going to the Savior of all the troubles in life. Jesus gives healing in so many different ways, even immediately. Fundamentally, Jesus gives eternal salvation. That woman with the hemorrhage is not given a miracle that she never gets sick again. Jairus' daughter isn't given a miracle that she doesn't ever experience earthly death again. No one gets a miracle like that. It's not part of reality. What they get is the revelation of the Savior. If they choose to be His disciples and grow as His disciples, he will heal them as he wants to heal them in the troubles of life, and he will eternally save them. Last detail, kids. The word in that passage used four times, it's the same word for heal, cure, save. Jesus heals, he cures, he saves. In this sacrament, we're about to most fully experience this week the reality entering into us. He heals, He cures, He saves. If you are sincerely trying to enter into this, you are at the center of God's love. And this week, if you have any willingness to share this truth with anyone else, He heals, He cures, He saves.